turn with me quickly let's let's gradually begin to sail into the things that we want to build this is a high point of the place we have finished with the introduction the definition of terms now we want to do spiritual business as we gain entrance from one level to the other it happens to be that that god in this day and time is so interested he has made himself available to be known and if you can give him half a chance you will see the kind of things that will take place in your life turn your bible with me quickly as we advance first john chapter five first john chapter five Thank you. First John chapter 5. Verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and by blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is true and yesterday we saw that the, Jesus was introducing a personality and he called him the spirit of truth and notice it was in the book of John that that revelation was captured now if you hear the spirit of truth you will think it is the spirit that has truth alright hey and we saw diligently yesterday that truth there talks about the substance of a reality. Substance of reality, not a statement of fact. Now, this scripture that we read here has an emphasis. Say, who is he that overcometh the world? It is such a one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Stop there. Then he now started trying to give support to the things mentioned in the first scripture. He said, in, for, in order, for your information, just in case you are confused, there were two significant places where the testimony of Jesus' authenticity as a long expected one of God was verified. First of all, the Bible says he is him that came by water. He was talking about the water baptism that took place at the baptismal site of John in, in Jordan. John had a significant call from God. And one, part of John's call was to identify and to point to the world who the Messiah was. So that the devil will not masquerade in, the, in, in, a, in another personality and claim to be the one that is expected. It was as if prophecy actually gave an accommodation for expectation. So that your expectation will not be attracted to a wrong source. John had to come 
saddled with the responsibility of pointing out who is he that God had spoken to the prophets that was to come. John testified in the book of John chapter 1 that this is the reason why I began to baptize. It is because of the special kind of assignment that I was given from God that I began baptism. The one that called me and spoke to me in the wilderness told me the way by which I can identify this fellow because this fellow cannot be known in his true context naturally. There must be something supernatural that will put him on display so that I can point him out to the world. That was where he received the ordinance of baptism. His baptism is not a New Testament baptism as it were, but it was a strategy given to him by God by which this expected one will be identified. And the Bible revealed that the day that Jesus came and when he was immersed in the water praying, the heavens were open and a testimony came from God. So, in the water of baptism, in the Jordan River, his testimony was heard. And I, I want to believe that that testimony, that voice that came from above, was such, it came with so much intensity that anyone that was around the vicinity actually heard it. So, in baptism, there was a testimony about him that came from God. Secondly, the Bible says he also came by blood. Hallelujah. You will notice that when Abel died, when he was slaughtered, and when the act felt and drank the first, the blood of a righteous and innocent man. When the earth drank the blood of an innocent man, the implication was that the voice of that innocent man began to cry from the ground. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? So when an innocent man's blood was shed, the earth began to cry out. That blood had capacity to cry out from the ground. Meanwhile, Jesus was not just an innocent man. Jesus was a righteous man. Jesus was such a personality that there was no law in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth that could actually convict Jesus. And so when Jesus was on the cross, and when his blood touched the ground, Abel's blood did what? Was able to provoke vocabulary from the ground. Was able to provoke an utterance from the ground. Hallelujah. Now it's as if the ground is like a, a landlord. It has accommodation. <laughs> it can receive, just like a landlord can receive tenants. The ground keeps custody of the things that are committed to it. But among all the things that are committed to the ground, there is something that even when committed, the ground cannot totally conceal its potency. And that is blood. Blood was committed to the ground, but it was not concealed. That blood still had a voice. And the voice came from where? From the ground. That's the blood, the blood of an innocent man. But when the blood of a righteous man hit the ground, 
The Bible reveals that there was an earthquake. And where there was an earthquake and then the veil of the temple was torn from up to bottom. What is? I want to believe that the earthquake was connected to the veil that tore. Bible says there was an earthquake and the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And we have discussed this before. Hallelujah. The blood touched the ground. The ground did not only accommodate it, the ground shook on the account of that blood. That means everybody that was there in that vicinity would know that something extraordinary was taking place. And the impact of the earthquake, the full scope of the vibration that took place. Hallelujah. We saw the impact in the temple. And uh, the curtain that covered the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. It was not torn from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. And I said the other time when I spoke about this text, that, that culture was affecting that text. And from any other perspective, you view this scripture, that rendering, that you try to explain that situation that forgoes the portal of culture. Uh, from my own perspective, you have not treated it adequately well. Because when a Jew is either extremely sorrowful or full of anger, he rends his garment. And so when you rend your garment, it, it will be rent from where? From top to bottom because you were the one that did it. But if your garment is being rent by accident, by a puncture, by a nail, hallelujah, the orientation of it's being rent is always different if it is rent by the person wearing it and if circumstances contributed to it's being rent. Culture is affecting that text. It's just trying to make you understand a relationship that existed between the father and his beloved son. Now, in the history of God, that was the first time he was going to be separated from his son. What was happening in the Holy of Holies was actually an expression of the impact of the separation that was going to exist between the, that existed at that time between the father and the son from the perspective of the father. The Holy of Holies was expected to be the father's dwelling place. That was his, his house. Alright? Now, in order for the redemption of man to be secured, there had to be some form of separation between Jesus. I don't know. I can't fully explain the, the, the implication and the modality of that reality. But there was some form of separation. So that Jesus would taste for every man death. And so that if you accept him by faith, you have passed from death to life. Somehow, the Bible gave us an illustration of the impact, the emotional impact of that scenario on the father. It was manifested in his garment because that cutting was his garment that covered him and separated between men and him in the Holy of Holies and he rend his garment. That was a 
testimony from God the Father. That was a, something that happened. Uh, it was a, a divine event that took place that was pointing to the fact that that man that was on the cross was approved of God. It's the son of God. It's the one that was expected of whom the prophet spoke about. Now, so this man is actually trying to give us evidences of Jesus' reality. I sit here. Then he goes forward. He goes further to say, just in case you were not there, when John the Baptist baptismal service took place and the testimony from heaven came down, just in case you were not there, when the blood hit the ground and there was earthquake, just in case you were not there, when the, 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 the cutting of the temple was rent from top to bottom, just in case you were not there. The Bible says that in the current time, the testimony about Jesus is still born by a personality. And the personality that bears that testimony is the spirit. But this time we see that John had received a dead revelation from what we shared yesterday. Because John did not say the testimony, the witness of who Jesus is lies with a personality called the spirit of truth. He didn't call him the spirit of truth here. But he now took us a little further. He said, actually, I've discovered over the years, from the first time I wrote in the Gospels, till this time now, I found out that the Spirit doesn't just have truth, doesn't just furnish reality, doesn't just bring people into reality. The Spirit is reality himself. Definition. Yesterday, would define a spiritual thing to be a reality that is in the realm of a spiritual being. It's needful for us to understand the dimensions and the scope of this definition. If you are still with me, say amen. amen. I didn't hear you. I said if you are here, say amen. amen. So the spirit doesn't just have reality, the spirit is reality. And a spiritual thing is a reality in the realm of a spirit being. So we have demonic reality. Now you will be a fool to deny a reality. Because every reality has manifestations that sustains its memory among men. Yay. Are you with me now? Now so we are trying to zero down so that we can know how actually to begin to access this reality. And what are the laws that govern the accessing of spiritual reality first of all we have come to understand that the spirit is reality so you cannot understand what jesus meant when he said that i am the way i am the reality and i am the life you get it jesus was now saying that reality is actually a personality and on, on the standpoint and from the perspective of Jesus' resurrection, you know the Bible says that the Lord is that spirit. So when Jesus was planted in death, he germinated in resurrection and his configuration was altered. He was, he became the life-giving spirit. And that's what Paul was speaking and Paul says, now the Lord is that spirit. What does the now mean? The noun there means in resurrection. He has become the life-giving spirit. 
So if Jesus said that I am the truth, I am the reality. Now that reality in this context and in the context and the regime of the resurrection of the law. The spirit is the truth. The spirit is the way. The spirit is the life. Everything that Jesus wants, the spirit is. The spirit carries the reality of everything that Jesus wants. Are you still with me now? Now, you don't understand. You see, the apostles actually experienced a fatal loss. The fatal loss of their experience was that see, they saw Jesus manifesting, but there was no possibility for them to do the things that Jesus did. The authority they operated was delegated authority. It was Jesus delegating them to go do stuff. So they were operating with the authority of Jesus. Now, number two, the experiences that Jesus had that gave him the kind of audacity that he had and the kind of the dimension he operated in, those guys could not operate in that dimension because they did not have the reality that Jesus had. So when the Holy Ghost came, what God was doing was that he wanted to bring us in part that same reality so that in every sense you can do the things that Jesus did and Jesus himself said because God is a living God, he can also still do greater things from your life because Jesus has gone to the Father. Now let me explain that. Works that I do, ye shall do also. Greater works than this shall thou do because I go to the Father. Is that not that reason that he gave for us to be able to do greater works? It's not a good reason. No. You do greater works. Why? I'm going to the Father. What does he mean by that? The reason why you do greater works is what? I'm going to. Now, who can explain that? What does he mean by that? You don't get it. Uh, you were here last month now. When Jesus went to the Father. That was when he was coronated the Christ. And he was enthroned. And his enthronement is what led to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying that these things that I'm doing. I did not finish the, manif- the, the syllabus of works. You get it? I didn't exhaust the syllabus of works. Please help me tell you. Tell your neighbor something that the manifestations of God are as deep as God. I know you didn't understand. You didn't follow me. Now, word of knowledge is a manifestation of the spirit. Through word of knowledge, you can supernaturally know things that are in the past and in the present. Hallelujah. Through word of knowledge, you can pick people's names. I know you have seen people moved in word of knowledge and you were, you were, you were overwhelmed. Somebody, there's a, a significant minister that I know in Nigeria that has... A, a mind-blowing dimension of word of knowledge is Apostle Johnson Suleiman. But you might have seen that, alright, what he operates in, and you say, my God, this is a great guy. Yes, he's a great guy, I assure you. But you see, that is not the end of the gift of word of knowledge. Because everything that is a manifestation of God is as deep as God. As long as God is still living, those manifestations, newer manifestations within that context will still manifest. So Jesus is saying that, I'm going to the Father. So as my, the manifestations you saw from me, eh, it's not the end of the things that can come out of this reality. 
So you see, me, I'm going to the Father. If I were to stay here, you will see, skip seeing stuff every day, every time I wake up, every time I walk around. Things will still be happening. And greater things than the one I did yesterday will still be taking place because God is who? A living God. Do you get that now? So just because he has gone and he's telling you that if you are really walking in the reality I walked in, you should be exploring greater dimensions of excellence of the manifestations that came through my life. But there's a need for us to understand the foundational principle and reality. The spirit is reality. So we said that a spiritual thing is a reality that what exists within the realm of a spirit being. A reality that exists within the realm of a spirit being. Without a spirit being, there's no spiritual reality. If your Christianity is not a Christianity that is enhanced by a spirit being, you are abnormal. You are subnormal. Don't boast in the market. Don't represent us. Because Christianity is not a religion. It is a manifestation of a reality. And Christ came to advertise that reality in his human living and in the days of his flesh. It happens to be that all of that reality is captured in a personality called the spirit. Now, move with me. I was troubled. When I read First Corinthians chapter 2 recently, I read it like four times and four times it had four different meanings. Then I knew I was in trouble. Read the first time it had a different meaning. Read the second time it had a different meaning. Read the third time it had a different meaning. And then the fourth time I was reading it out to somebody and expressing my frustration how that I could not pierce through some, some places in that scripture. And when I read it again, it had a different meaning. Reality. One scripture. But it's fresh forever. Hallelujah. When you see that scripture that says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, what comes to mind? Yeah, fresh. Good. But is he, is he saying that the reality I manifest is connected to an eternal spirit? So time doesn't change it. It's a constant reality. It's an eternal now reality. Anytime you come into it, you begin to manifest the same quality of things that Jesus manifested. I hope you know now that the Bible says Jesus was cut off from the earth, but because of the nature of sacrifice that he offered, that God proclaimed from heaven that his days will be prolonged. Now, somebody was cut off, but God said his days will be prolonged. You see, how will that happen? The only way that can happen is that the spirit that he functioned in will still be accessible. And anyone that captures and enters and functions in the reality of the spirit that made him operate begins to continue his ministry. When we talk reality, time is nothing. 
When we talk reality, space is nothing. Reality has no regard for time and space because reality is spirit. Many years ago, studied the Bible from back to back. I brought my Bible school notes to compare with the things I was studying. Then I realized, as I checked my Bible school notes carefully, that you cannot study those notes and, and know God. In my journey in Christianity, I try to be as frank as possible to myself and to them that hear me. Alright? I knew that part of my ministry required that I would teach people. And for five years in that ministry, I did intellectual teaching. You will know I am intelligent. Because I will study. Go and bring something from here. Always a new thing. I always wanted to bring new things. Use a concordance. Use a commentary that will give me an entrance. It was all mental juggernaut for a long time. I did that for about five years and after five years of preaching that way I knew I had no message again. So I was sincere with myself and I went on a fast. and said, God, please tell me the truth. If this is all you have, just tell me. So that I can tell the people that I'm preaching to. That where I've reached now is the end. So go home. <laughs> there's no need keeping people and troubling them. When there's no reality. You don't understand. It's a burden. Some people came from North Bank. Hallelujah. Some guys came from Motupo. Some people came from Abuja. I just saw some people from Abuja. I don't know where Tolu is from, but the last time we talked, she was, she was in Kano. Now, somebody comes from Kano, that lady that walked in, from Kano here, for mental juggernaut, to meet a skillful preacher. It's, it's not a good reason. So what I did was that I went to my brother-in-law, because he's my friend. I said, I'm afraid. Say, ah, you? Because they see me every time studying the Bible pray. I told him, I'm afraid today. Say, what's the object of your fear? I want to know the central message of this Bible. I think I'm missing something. I must be missing something. That's why there's no connect. Because my life and my generation doesn't look very much like the testimony I see in Acts of the Apostles. So let's there's a, a problem I'm afraid so he now said alright no problem I can solve your problem he went and brought a computer then he brought internet services and connected it put a printer there he said the, the, the only thing I can tell you is that if you browse you will find many more people that have studied this thing <laughs> I don't have your body so I can't <laughs> but this is the best I can do for you all right. So I, I'll come back from work. I browse. I say, central message of the Bible. I goggled it. No, they didn't have answers for me. I say, oh my God. Then I say, okay, let's go from one Christian ministry 
to another Christian ministry. Let me see the things they received from God. I did all of that. So all kinds of theologians, more brilliant, more perfect, more polished than what I could ever dream, imagine to become. I saw that what I was studying, people had studied it before. Much more than that. So if, if it's tactical study, Bible exposition, being faithful to the literal text, oh my God, there were guys that had... But still, with all this knowledge, there's no God on ground. Hallelujah. So when I browse, my mental knowledge increase. But what I was looking for, I didn't find. In my frustration, I was in the room and my brother came from Port Harcourt. He had finished his youth service and he threw the book that they gave him as a parting gift, which I know he never read anyway. He threw it on me and said, I'm back! Then I just took the book reluctantly. I opened the first page. He answered my first question. I opened the second page. He answered my... And the book was looking very poor. Then I saw it was written in 1934. Reality is the same. That's why the bones of Elisha could raise the dead. It's not... See, don't consider reality. Hey, it's too old. No, 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 no. There's nothing like time with reality. And I saw that somebody touched God in 1934 and he was testifying about reality. Hallelujah. I began to read the scripture. When I got to the seventh chapter, it pointed to the central message of the Bible. If you remove that message, the Bible is a magical book. Hallelujah. I saw that the entire scripture for the book of Genesis down to the book of Revelation was actually testifying about one personality. And that one personality is Jesus that sat in the office of the Christ. I saw that they, on the account of his prestigious office, he sustains a manifestation that is in the realm of the spirit. And so, he is a man in heaven, but he is a spirit in the earth. I'm speaking to Bible scholars. I don't need to go and show you that Jesus in heaven is a man. If you go to heaven, you will see a, a man called Jesus. You can shake him. And I assure you, when you appear there, you will notice that you are like him because you were fashioned in the new creation according to his image. Are you saying with me? He is a man in heaven but a spirit. And John is telling us that anything that can end with time is not real. What is the definition of vanity? Vanity is actually something that cannot live, exist for eternity. That's vanity. And reality, even though it might be invincible, but it's eternal. Whether you deny that it exists or not, it doesn't change it. It is in the eternal realm now. And a day will come where you will be forced to surrender to the fact 
that is eternally thing. And so Paul, I saw Paul struggle in the whole of his epistles. He was trying to take us beyond the natural plane to the plane of reality through the instrumentality of a transition that will come by the enabling of a spirit. And so you hear Paul saying things like, the things that are seen, they are temporal. But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. He's trying to bring us into reality. Anything that does not have the Holy Spirit incorporated in it will die with time. The reason why God, the old creation cannot continue forever is because the Spirit of God was withdrawn from that creation. That's what made it old, not because of age. And every man, just like the Bible reveals that there is an old creation, the Bible also says there is an old man. What made the man old? The Spirit just in case you find a boy of 12 on the streets that does not know Jesus, cry out, old man. Old man. <laughs> old man. You know what has happened to him? He was meant to be like the stars. But because the spirit had been withdrawn from him, his days have been measured into time. His temporal. That's the great mystery of the Old Testament. How a man that is a seed of eternity, eh, can lack reality and die like one of the princes. That's the wonder. That's what the prophet saw. That people that were fashioned in another realm, our natural habitat is reality. But a man that has not yet accepted Jesus he is devoid of the spirit that is eternal. The spirit that is reality. That man is old. And so the purposes of God could not find expression in the old creation anymore because reality was not figured in it. It was because God withdrew his spirit from that creation that he now decided to create another creation and that new creation was forged by the spirit himself in fact the spirit is the reality of that creation and that's why when Jesus was trying to give Nicodemus insight into how to be born again he says it's an activity a bed of water and of spirit he was talking about termination and regeneration he was talking about the washing of regeneration which is a spiritual process that we are subjected to. That God comes in his spirit to enliven in us so that we can attain to our original prescribed status quo. Anything out of that reality is an old man. Can you see? So, scripture in allocating that that term old to something doesn't allocate it because of how long it has existed. But he allocates it with respect to its quality. If it is devoid of the spirit, 
it is temporal. And temporal things in God's economy are called old things. Old man. Hallelujah. Now, when you come into the kingdom of God and you begin to operate with, in the reality of God, God will give you, in the new creation, He will give you a substitute for every old thing that you have. Hey, are you still with me? Now, your old desires, God will put it to death and give you what? New sets of desires. You see that? Reality begins to reconfigure your existence because you are no longer part of that creation. Principalities and powers come to blind your mind and your heart so that you'll still be subscribing to the things in the old creation. The bane of the Christian experience is that there are many that are of Christ that still draw on the resources of the old creation for survival. And in any scenario where that thing finds expression, principalities and powers are responsible. The activity of blinding the hearts and the minds of men is what evolves in that distorted posture of reality. Hallelujah. So he cuts off the old desires and gives you new desires. My friend in Kano is a prophet. He said if he were not a prophet, if he if it's not that God captured him, he would have become a herbalist. He was being groomed to be herbalist. <laughs> <You are not. laughs> that was the desire. He wanted to be what? A herbalist. And then God now captured him, cut him off for the old desires. Then eventually he found out that he was a prophet. Better than a herbalist. There were old desires. So it gives you new sets of desires gives you new sets of abilities. The abilities of the spirit in your life start becoming pronounced so that you will not lean upon your own natural old abilities but your new abilities. Now, help me ask your neighbor, are you old or new? Because you can be born again and still be living from the resources of the oldness. That is the bane of Christianity. That's why Oh my God, oh my God. Have you traveled around lately? The Christianity we have in Nigeria is old. It's measured into time. The emphasis of the average believer is on things based on material wealth, which is good. Very good. But that's not why you're here. That's not what your heart should be focused upon. The Bible says, these are the things that the Gentiles seek, but you will not seek them because it will possess your soul. You seek the kingdom. You seek God. You press into God. You come into covenant with God and allow him to influence every department of your life. As much as you need these things to fulfill your divine purpose, they will navigate in your direction. That's what the Bible teaches. Come with me. Let's do Bible study now. Bible study. Where are we now? First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. Bible study. Amen. First Corinthians, sorry, chapter 2, verse 1. Who is helping me with the reading? Let's go. First Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, I would like us to, to, to follow gradually because so that we can do this thing together. 
And I, brethren, okay. when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech. The day I came to town. Or of wisdom. Now what is, he says that I deliberately, that's a deliberate posture. He said, when I came, I had the option of using the excellency of speech. There were many preachers in your town that sustained that, 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 that format. But I, I found out because of the gravity of the things that I came to offload, I knew that that method was not an option. I did not come with excellency of speech, nor of wisdom. My own style was different. You see, when you begin to come into reality, your style of preaching, your lifestyle, the way you see things, the way you perceive things, your, okay. the, your sense of emergency about things, your priority, everything changes with reality. Everything. That is it. You know, do you still remember those crusades we used to attend? Those days, people cried those days on crusade grounds. People that were not saved will come to crusade with their leg and they don't have seat to sit down. What was doing it? Is it that it can't happen today? Are we so enlightened that it can't happen today? There is no reality. Today, on a crusade ground, an evangelist mounted the podium and said, bring 500 naira and a knife. That he didn't come to, to deliver. He came to kill. <laughs> 500 naira and what? And knife. <laughs> the Lord gave you understanding. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, so, the, he, he, he saw the gravity of the things that were in view and because of that, he decided to adopt a different approach. So, he did not come with the excellency of speech, even though excellency of speech can actually give you a standing and status and ranking in ministry so that you can have a CV ministry that will make you sellable. But he did not come to be sellable, he did not come to be invited, he did not come to be popular because of the gravity of the things he had perceived in the realm of the spirit. He decided to leave excellence of speech and of wisdom. Then he adopted a new formula that is preaching will be summed up in this one thing, the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Then he also explained why he adopted that way so that your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Now see, Paul was concerned about what our faith was anchored upon. There were many times that Jesus asked questions like this. Where is your faith? Now, where is your faith can mean I've been trying to look for your faith. I don't seem to be able to see it. Can mean that. It can also mean upon what is your faith anchored. Paul was conscious of the fact that his style of preaching can actually determine what people's faith are anchored on. And if your faith is not anchored on the spirit, on God, that is reality. You are in trouble. Somebody had a nightmare and woke up from his sleep and took anointing oil in, in, a, in the dream. He saw that 
a beast took plank and hit him on the leg. So he woke up afraid, took anointing oil and rubbed there. He felt a, a relief. There was a sense of satisfaction. When he applied anointing oil, he went back to sleep knowing that he was covered. His faith is anchored on what? <laughs> you see, it's not that God is merciful. If not, those kind of people die before they break. Paul was against such preachers who, who, who preach several sermons and through their messages people can wake up from nightmares and take oil and rub as an antidote to satanic attack. Those were the preachers that used excellency of speech. They marooned everybody. Make them marooned and maligned. And marginalized them. Cause their faith to be anchored on that which was temporal. Faith that is supposed to connect us to the eternal now. So that you are operating in that realm. And living in the reality of that realm now. Because when you operate in the realm of the eternal now. You are no longer futuristic in your perspectives. You are a now man. You are experiencing it now. You may not be able to prove that you have the things you say you have. But you see in reality the substance of those things. Uh, the spirit of God bears witness about the reality of those things and how that you have apprehended them in the realm of the spirit. So that man is not a futuristic man. That man is a man of now. That's a proof that you have reality. Right now when the storm is coming, everybody can run, but the man that is in reality now doesn't find the storm to be enough threat for him to run. There's something now about him. Two men on the cross. One said, if you are the son of God, save yourself, save us. Relating to Jesus from the past. I've seen you do strange things and you claim to have the power to raise the dead. If you are the, the same person they say you are, save us, save yourself. One now came and said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. One was in the past, one was in the present. None of them was in touch with reality. Reality brings you into a now experience. Jesus said today, now, today. Somebody's looking where? To the future. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Jesus will answer me. When, when we go around and see people that claim to be walking in faith, we wonder. Those eloquent preachers are here. The one Paul spoke about, their people's faith are anchored on different kinds of stuff. You see, what that will do is that it makes principalities strong because there's no reality in the exercise of their faith. There's no reality in their prayers. Because prayers are prayed from a perspective that doesn't synchronize with the will of God. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come to impart faith in the heart of a man if his desires are not in consonance with that of the Father. Faith has been taught to a point where it is like logic 
These are the steps. Engineering. Oh my God. You see, don't try to make intellectual what is spiritual. Don't try to bring into the realm of the mind the only thing, things that can only be known in the original habitat and context. Faith is not a mind thing. It's not a step-by-step thing. It is a reality that is born in a man's heart when he encounters a testimony of the Spirit of God about a spiritual thing. Faith is born. If you don't have it, you don't have it. If you have it, you have it. Reality is something that you cannot fake. And if the kind of things that happened in the book of Acts of the Apostles are not here today, we are devoid of reality. We have seen that the spirit is reality. Now, go on. Go Declaring on. unto you the testimony of God. Alright. For I determine not to know anything among you. Okay. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, that's the kind of preaching that brings you offense. You don't want to know anything. You don't want to know what is what, who hold the stakes, who caused the shots. Your own focus is Jesus, his kingdom, his, his glory, his power, his majesty. And you just focus on that. If you focus on that, you are going to have troubles. Because there are several people that are in ministry that are not there for Jesus and him crucified. And it happens to be that they consider you a threat. Whenever you begin to preach Jesus, you are saying we need to be sold out. And suddenly, light downs upon him that he is not sold out. He's doing most of what he's doing because of himself. And there's contradiction. Because that's the true light. Anytime that light comes, it unveils anything that is in darkness. So there's problem. Jesus only. Go on. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. I was with you in weakness and in fear. And in much trembling. And in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. All right. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. All right. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Okay. But in the power of God. Now, this is, please be, be very careful about the next verse. He said, how be it? Go on. How be it? Okay. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, what is? He has shifted. He's no longer on the ground now. Mm-hmm. He's gone to the realm. Now, the testimony coming now is a testimony coming from a realm of reality. Mm-hmm. If you don't have this experience, you don't know this scripture. Even if you preach it to people in Bible study, you'll be doing mental juggernaut mm-hmm. if you are devoid of this reality. He said, how be Nevertheless. We, people can preach and teach with man's wisdom. But he said, nevertheless, we communicate, the, we, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, reality will affect your speaking. Have you ever seen somebody that is deeply under the, the in, in witchcraft, there's a language. Witchcraft language. Oh, you don't get it. In witchcraft, there's tongues. Witchcraft tongues. Uh, uh, I, I can't. They speak tongues. That thing you call Azo is another type of witchcraft. It's the same thing. They speak. Okay, the Bible says, Do I speak in the tongues of men and of 
So it's possible to speak in angelic tongues. He said this wisdom, you cannot speak it from the standpoint of intellectual acumen. It is spoken in a mystery. Utterances about this reality are mysterious. But normally, before a man speaks, he must think about the things he speaks. If he's telling us that this wisdom is spoken in a mystery, it means it's not processed by the mind. When it is operating, the understanding is unfruitful. So that's why I said, be careful. This, he has transited. As we read on, every time we see the, thing, the word things, T-H-I-N-G or T-H-I-N-G-S, underline it. Because in my Bible study, I realize that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is at, the emphasis of it is accessing spiritual things. That is the title of my sermon. Accessing spiritual things. Now, you see, some people do not want spiritual things. Because when we begin to access spiritual things and we desire to access spiritual things, two sets of people are disqualified as revealed in this scripture and it's twin Romans chapter 8. Two sets of people are disqualified from being able to access spiritual things. First of all, as a Christian, you need to make up your mind the plane in which your existence will dwell. I found out in my sojourning that the average Christian does not desire to have mastery in the spirit. If I use my statistics, 80% of Christians today do not desire to live the spirit life. 80% of Christians today desire to settle in a realm that is measured in time. 80%. Eighty percent of Christians today want to know how the money will come. Want to know everything. But in spirit life, God feels it's not a risk for your understanding to be unfruitful. The first thing you lose when you go in spirit life is that the function of your mind, the cognitive function of your mind as you know it is suspended. I, I, I'm not saying you become a robot. What I'm saying is the cognitive analytical perspective of your mind is suspended. That analysis is an offense to spirit life. Spirit life is based upon a reality. A reality that can only be investigated by a spirit. Alright? And so your mind is too poor and beggarly to try to decipher the scope of that existence. So the first thing that gives way, your, the cognitive dimensions of your mind are suspended. It's not as if your mind is not a partaker of the spirit flow. But I will tell you the context in which your mind features. Not in this carnal context, but in another context. In a living context. That reality will have to come upon your thoughts and quicken your thoughts. And bring your capacity to think to a level that you can think the thoughts of God. It's in that realm that you see and fulfill the true purpose and the ultimate use of the mind. Not in this analytical, inquisitive dimensions. 
You know, many of us many times contend with God. We say, God, why did this thing happen? Why did this bad thing take place in my life? Because we want to relate with God from the standpoint of explanations. And that's not how the kingdom runs. The kingdom runs on instructions, not explanations. Even though you don't understand, God said, go! And just in case you decide not to go, he withdraws from you. It's okay, take responsibility of the next season of your life. You are too wise, too good, too strong, too everything. So let me leave you for a season. And when you have a fracture, he comes with Isaiah and spirit life. Spirit life. I was studying my Bible this year, January, God said, preach spirit life. That's where all reality is. And the more I began to study it, I began to understand it. The more I began to study it, and my life began to, I began to enter new dimensions. See, hey, that's where the core is. The core of everything in this testament lies in the reality of what? A spirit. Don't reduce Christianity to anything less than that. The spirit of God is going to be the personality to bring out the full potential of your mental faculty when your mind and your soul is yielded to your human spirit that is recreated by God. That mind becomes submissive to the spirit and your body becomes submissive to your soul. That's the orientation that God wants you to sustain so that because a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. That's the order. That's why we have no more power. Nothing strong enough. Where's the testimony of God? Where is the God of Elijah? There were people that if government began to go the way of darkness and witchcraft, that could show up on the scene. One man! And bring governmental order. And that kind of authority exists in the spirit realm. That's where he got it from. He was a Tishbite. His identity as a Tishbite is not Tishbite is not a place. Tishbi. There's no place like that. In Hebrew, Tishbite means messenger. His name, his identity was his call and ministry. End of story. We don't know his father's name. That was a man that was fused into God like hand and glove. Elijah, that Tishbite. That's all. Are you still with me? Every time we say things, underline it. Things, underline it. You know, yesterday we did question and answer. What is a spiritual thing? That was where we found out that we didn't know. The real things that matter, we don't know. You know why it's difficult to know what a spiritual thing is? Why it was difficult yesterday? Because it is not a definition of the mind. It is what? A reality. It's beyond the mind. A spiritual thing is not mental. If we ask questions on physics, now people will answer. Shala we answer. Doctor we answer. Hallelujah. Because it's cognitive. But reality is spiritual. And the Bible reveals two sets of people that cannot access spiritual things. 80% of Christians fall in that category. Amen. Tomorrow is practical. 
Tomorrow is practical. So, but today we are just establishing the second layer of truth that will help us easily release our faith tomorrow. There, there are people here that you feel your only problem is that you need a job. Abby, I'm coming to you. There's an orientation of life you will live that things navigate in your direction. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to pray about a job. It's not wrong. Go. I'm not saying for you, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to pray about a husband. It's not wrong. But I'm saying that some people in praying about a husband and expecting a husband have given God a time frame. Lord, six months. If you put God on a time frame, the enemy will weary you. You have given the enemy an advantage to weary you because you have brought everything to time, mind, and space. That is of this reality. Oh, you are not with me. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Every inch of your purpose on earth is factored in another realm. God is expecting that you be more desperate about finding out what was written concerning you in that realm and to be active in it. I found out in my life as I was working with God, God told me that now you are qualified for a wife. So I will show you your wife. I never knew that all these things were already built into our work with God. But we feel that life is fragmented. We have financial life spiritual life the people that evolved that kind of doctrine are responsible for the complacency in the church today because somebody believes that okay i want to focus on my financial life now he believes that his financial life is isolated from his core existence let's go in, by so doing he avoids reality and then comes into time into space that's the ring that the devil is the great boxer that's the ring. People that did that murdered the, the gospel. They murdered the gospel. It's all one and the same thing. As you are pressing on the path of purpose, a time comes when God knows that what your status and stature before him right now is such that you are bigger than a car. And then number two, you need it to facilitate his agenda. At that point, it comes. Notice the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things, which are the things that the Gentiles seek. He didn't say they will be multiplied. Did he say they will be multiplied? Oh, there will be what? There's a difference between arithmetic progression and geometric progression. A prosperity preacher will make you feel that because you have done nothing, just because you came to church, go now. Next week, something will happen. The lie doesn't work like that. up and walk the walk of the spirit that's where you your reality is and that's where you will walk and just in case you refuse to walk there you have been measured and when eternity is used to measure your what and your work with god you might be found wanting in the process the seed of eternity wants to receive the measurement of himself from time it's the work of a principality it's a work of a power they know how to blind our hearts and our minds. 
I choose not to be blinded. I've seen some sisters before. They never got married. They didn't die. They say, oh my God, Lord, where is the next step? I saw some got married at 45 and they didn't pray about it. Because if you bring, if you, if you, if you give God a time frame, you are trying to remove his sovereignty from the picture. You are already violating the laws of the spirit realm. You are already in error. And because of that error, the devil will have an accusation against you that will keep you stagnated for longer time than necessary. You see, the questions I asked, people didn't understand it. Which plane do you want to leave? Which plane? There was a time I came. God was trying to make me know the way you operate. I came to a point and in my visions, I began to see a car. What? When God begins to show you a car in the vision, it means it's yours. Take it. By faith. Say, Lord, I take it. In Jesus' name. I even saw the color, I saw the make. And I went to preach, and when I came back, that car, they delivered it to me. I didn't buy it. I needed it for that time. That was where we want to hold meeting in Abuja. Abuja is scattered. You drive here and bring people. Drive there, bring people. Drive. And when we finish again, my car, oh my God. I needed it for that assignment. And the car came. The car is not the issue. It's the assignment. The wife is not the issue. It's the assignment. When God showed me that my mission field was Benway, he said, I'll show you a sign that I prepared your wife. That's when the issue of wife came up. But we now say marital life. So we isolate the process of God. They walk with God and say, let's face on it. You are wandering out into a realm that the devil is a boxer. Tell me, tell your neighbor, if you want to use your life to solve problems, your problems will never be solved. If you solve one problem, another one will come. Because you have measured yourself into time. And the devil is active here. He knows how to keep you busy. But if you set your face and say, Oh my God, if I die, I die. Mm, God will show up. The principle of the kingdom is that when you find that pearl, you will sell everything to purchase it. That's how it is. If you have not lost anything, if you have not turned your back on, on anything, you can't find it something and so what we have and call Christianity is an aberration it is something that if the, if the old saints saw they will, they will curse and cry they will beg to die what we have now is infamed, afflicted is not original, it's counterfeit the spirit is truth if it's devoid of the spirit forget it, it's devoid of reality if you read that scripture, you will find out about eight or nine times the Bible speaks about things. So, my opinion is that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the emphasis it sustains is spiritual things and accessing them. Then suddenly you will now find out that not everybody can access a spiritual thing. That's why people are stuck. Because they have taken another mood. You are there in the spirit. And when they see you, they say, that man there. Meanwhile, that man is not preaching a message. 
you might think what I'm preaching now is a message. You are wrong. You are wrong. This is not a message. I'm telling you about you. The reason why it is surprising is because you are far from you. That's where you dwell in the name of Jesus Christ. You dwell in a new creation. Forged by the Holy Spirit. It's a creation of reality. That's why it is eternal. It lives on and lives forever. It transcends time because it was not born from time. It's a creation of something more ancient than wisdom. More strong than strength. More bright than light. I'm telling you about something beyond the mind, the thought, the sense of feeling, beyond your thinking, beyond thought. That's what I'm talking about. It's reality. That's why you were forged in Christ. And then we come down. Principalities blind us. And you're walking on foot. I choose not. You will never find dominion until you switch into the realm. If you make Jesus a part of your life, your life will be scattered. If you make Jesus the center of your life, you will find out that he has power enough to uphold all the dimensions that are about to break off. He packages your life like another vessel. Gives you a different orientation. And then when you, your eyes get to see your reality and your core, you know that in that core you cannot fail. Because you have the resources to fulfill it. Whereas, money might stop a man from doing a business. Financial hardship can stop a man from advancing. The same problems that will stop a natural man from progressing will empower a spiritual man to be stronger in the spirit. So the truth is this. If you hear my message today and you hear what I'm saying, a principality cannot successfully stop you because the best it can control, natural, this realm. But you're not of this realm. You're not of this realm. I went to do deliverance and the spirit came out of the lady. Hallelujah. Okay, let me explain. That lady was in a witchcraft court in Ayapa. That court had lasted since 1900 something. That's when the totem of the court was brought from Benin City. I hope you know the pendant that the Atar of Igala wears is from Benin. There are two of his types. The big one and the small one. He went to visit the Oba Abini and the Oba Abini gave him the small one. The big one is the one the white man stole that is in the museum in London. That thing that is on one naira those days. The small one is the one at the towers. There's this compatibility between Benin, Edo and my tribe. So the totem of that cult was brought from Benin. My mother's people, their ancestors, all right, you know, they live very long. They have the history of how that cult started. In 1900 something, when they went to bring the altar from Benin. And since that time, the totem has been revolving. And the current custodian of that totem, by the time I was in 300 level, was 80 something years. She was blind, but she could see. She received news from the realm that her life will not last longer. 
and there were new recruitees that were just initiated recently and brought into the court and there was one of them that she liked so much because that one gave herself to serving her physically Inan told her that she was the one that he she had chosen to give that thing so but in order for her to be prepared she released some spirits to begin to teach her so when they released she released those consignment of spirits she became mad because she was not trained to know how to see a spirit and not shake not trained to know how to see a spirit and not know that people that are seeing you in the natural can't see the spirit so don't talk openly to the spirit she just started discussing with them and then they say she was mad check for my young back to local jack they brought used chain to bring her back and i went the grandmother invited me to pray for her i told you the story that when i was praying that day the demon came and contended with me the demon was that's the highest the biggest entity i've ever seen in the spirit realm from the demonic side from that place there so i was looking at the spirit like this. and i was praying in tongues i was praying i prayed in tongues for 25 minutes then the spirit now said to me if we get you if we ever get you you will not survive now two things i can learn from that it means at that time they could not get me at that current moment i was not within reach There was another lady like that that was in our fellowship in Kano. She was sent, according to her, from the water court to bring me down. And she was arrested and delivered in the meeting. Then she just started telling me that they intended to kill me three times. And every time they came, they saw two angels. And they knew that if they go too close, they will die. That even in their kingdom, she was warned that they should retreat, but she insisted that she would go. So the third time she came, she came alone. And she saw those angels. So I asked her, how were those angels? She said, they are like fluorescent too. Do you know people in witchcraft have seen your reality? But the believer doesn't know it. Second testimony. I knew that I was not killable. As long as I was in God. But see, the average believer does not believe in his security. He's not living within the context of his reality. That's the truth. But he knows church song and church lingo. That's why there's so much defeat. That's why we pray it doesn't come to pass. That's why we decree it's not established. Because the average Christian does not know God. He knows church and pastor. Does not know God. Are you with me? 
the Holy Spirit is the only personality that is reality in this our kingdom and if you had continued in the reading you will see nine times things let's just bring highlights because you will not be able to finish the reading can you jump with us to can you jump to verse 9 let's read verse 9 10 verse 9 mm. but as it is written I had not seen Eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, neither has entered into the heart of the man. The things which now, God, please underline things, because those things he's talking about, they are not natural things, are spiritual things. The things which what? All right, go on. Underline things in your Bible. Had prepared for them that love him. Now, friends, there are things. Friends, things that eyes have not seen, things that ears have not heard, things that have not even occurred in your heart, that has not been suggested to you by any means. What you have not seen and heard and what has not come into your heart is a mystery. You cannot access it by the wisdom of your mind. It must be revealed to you. Meanwhile, the fact that you cannot see them does not make them any less real. The Bible calls them what? Things. Now, I'm looking at the time and the time is frustrating me here because my intention in this lecture is to bring us to begin to itemize some things such that you'll be able to understand when we talk about spiritual things because I know you know natural things. You know your food, you know your water, you know your rest, you know all those things because in the natural, you have natural appetites. There's an appetite to eat, an appetite to sleep rest an appetite to drink an appetite to hear an appetite to see a capacity to smell natural life components of the natural life if you begin to exert your mind your mind be begins to open up it's, it's natural and the power of the soul can only be articulated by focus so a motivational preacher will say focus that kind of focus is achievable by any carnal man on the street. Focus is not spiritual. It is just the means by which you can realize the power of the soul. And that's what yoga teaches. Focus. Then you will begin to tap into the latent power of the soul. Motivational messages are from the soul. They don't carry reality. They are demonic you get it? And it is in by no means the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus doesn't draw its power from the soul. Draws its power from the recreated spirit. And not just from the recreated spirit, from the spirit that inhabits that recreated spirit. We must understand these planes very well. And know how to work these things out. So it's my intention today to label some capsules for us. What are spiritual things? Let's have some examples as revealed in the Bible. And then let us understand the modality to operate and live and function in the spiritual realm by the agency of the Spirit. Then you now realize that not everybody qualifies. Not even every Christian qualifies. 
I know it shook you when I say not every Christian qualifies. I have scripture and verse. If every Christian qualifies, all of us here will be giants in the spirit. There are laws and modalities and rules and regulations that must be adhered to. Things. Go on. Verse 10. Verse 10. But God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. Notice that is the spirit that is reality. For the spirit Now what is the first thing that we will need to stumble upon is that, you see, these realities, these spiritual things that are realities within the realm of a spirit can only be revealed by revelation, by the spirit. The act of this disclosure is what we call revelation. Alright? Now, it means that without a revelation, you will deny that these things don't exist. You will deny. You say it doesn't exist. Like there are some people that deny that witchcraft doesn't exist. Witchcraft. That witchcraft is non-existent. And the Bible speaks about it. And the Bible did not even say witchcraft. It said witchcrafts. That means there are many types. Are you here? I don't know how they operate because I've never been one of them. But the Bible says they exist and I believe that. And also I've seen a few people that operate from there that tried to kill me and God revealed it. I was preaching in Zaria. And when I was coming out of the prayer room, God told me there's somebody possessed in the hall. God wanted to save me. He didn't tell me the whole story. And then I came to the pulpit. I said, somebody's possessed here, but God will meet you. I began to preach. And I was walking uh, at the first row, at the first row, at the first row. And a woman that was sitting there, when I came close to her, she began to shake. I saw her, but I left her. I was preaching, and she fell down. I was preaching. I felt an impression that she needs to confess something. If, if not, she would die. So I went there and I gave her the microphone. She said they sent her from River Niger. She's coming from River Niger now. Hey! You! Didn't know. Her hands and feet were black. Eh? This here. Black, 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 black. But her face was fair and her the rest of her body was fair. I said, my God, what, what kind of... Say they just dispatch her from River Niger with an assignment. Cut that man off quickly. But when she came there, she met another reality. You know, some of them have never met the reality of the spirit before. So they boast in their own jungle. They boast in their village until they come out. We are too few. We are too few. See, we need to be many. For this effect to change cities, we need to be many. We need to be many. Nobody touched her. She began to manifest and began all kinds some uh, let me stop there some people almost ran away from the hall when they began to hear the things he was saying river niger meanwhile i didn't pray for her i was just doing making my worker i was making my worker making my worker and you see you see you move with your reality every time but you don't know Somebody that was a member of the occult says if he sees a born again Christian, he knows them because they carry light. Light comes out of them, and people that are not born again, darkness comes out of them. You move with your reality every day. Somebody says, I'm not in the spirit now. Hey, wake up. 
See, your mind has taken over again. That's why you lost it. That's why you are not accurate. Things. But these things, first of all, must be revealed. In order for you to be able to interact effectively with these things, there must be a time where you will be granted the privilege of an apocalypsis, an unveiling. That's when you see their context. You see their realities. In the book of Job chapter 38, Job claimed to be so vast, claimed to have sufficient capacity to question the, 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 the integrity of God. I said, God said, all right, Job, you are strong. Now, so I want to ask you some questions. And if you are really strong, you'll be able to give me answers. Say, where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth. It started with the earth. Natural. Where were you? When I drew a line upon it. He was talking about the diameter. That he calculated the diameter. And nobody was there when he did it. He spoke about the stars. And you will see that in a pattern of stars, there are three stars that faced the direction of the magnetic knot. Those were the three stars that Job said when he saw them. He said, I know that my redeemer liveth. Alright? Then somewhere in the questioning, the questions changed. God now went into the, into the spiritual. Those ones were no longer natural things. He said, have you ever seen the dwelling of light? <laughs> he has left the... Now, if Job were old enough and if Job were an ancient as he claimed, he should have seen at least the foundation of the earth. When the coordinates were put in place, when the diameter was, was derived, he should have seen that. He said, much more than this, there are still some things that are more ancient and you will need an access to see their reality. Have you ever seen the dwelling of light? It means that this light you see, hmm, it has a house. Have you seen the chambers of the sun? The place from when the sun is born from every morning. Have you seen that place? Because the Bible says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness, in the womb of the morning. The sun has a chamber. Have you seen it? Have you seen the path that no fowl knows? The corridors that the vultures have not seen. The place where the fierce lions have not walked upon. The passage that the little lions have never treaded. That path is not a physical path. If not, at least, you know, they say foul. Foul has details in its navigation. Ow! A vulture has surveillance in its operation. A lion is the custodian of the pride land. And the way he keeps the pride land is that he goes around the pride land two times a day to urinate around the territory. So that any creature that comes and smells the, should know that. Or God day, in in no die. Then in the evening by four it will roar. He's saying a day. Because of the securing of the pride lands, he paces it 
to urinate. So he knows every inch of it. The Bible says that the fierce lions have not passed by that path. Friends, it's not every path that is natural. There are some paths that are beyond the eyes. That fowls have not seen. He brought Job for questioning and Job saw he was naked. That his natural mind was blasphemous. And he repented. There's this contention. There's this contention. Will you live in the spirit? Will you function from there? Or will you take an identity that is fleshly? Meanwhile, Paul is saying, there are spiritual things. If you accept it or not, it is still true. But these spiritual things can come into focus by revelation. The spirit that is truth must bring you into that reality. Go on. Yeah, the deep things of God. Now, you see, the Spirit searches all things, the Bible says. Everything, everything. The Spirit can even give you information about the attack, the plans of the devil. It can search the kingdom of light, it can search the kingdom of darkness. It can search your physics textbook, it can search your chemistry textbook, it can search your engineering textbook and give you insight. Search at what? All things. That's a search machine that is stronger than Google. That's where I got that from. Search at what? Oh, Google is limited. Google. And I tell you in life, you will need to set things out. Mm, the Bible says that God is his, his, his pride to conceal things. Because one of man's assignment is that he will have to set things out. The quality of life and the template of his existence is tied to the things that he has searched out. Why men go to search with their mind? Solomon searched with his mind and he said to the writing of books the acquisition of knowledge there is no end to knowledge on this realm hallelujah there's no end you, you only get weary and old and someone else will write something that you ne- never knew the devil can keep you on that plane meanwhile there's, the bible speaks about a knowledge that excels the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. An excelling knowledge. Alright? It is a kind of knowledge that when you receive and you begin to walk in, you will find out that it excels every other knowledge. And that's why it is an excellent knowledge. And Paul now made that knowledge the pursuit of his life. He is ready to suffer loss. He wants to suffer affliction. The reason is because he wants to access that excellent knowledge that exceeds and exceeds every other knowledge. That kind of knowledge is not a knowledge you get because you studied. It's a knowledge because that you get because there was a spirit that revealed a reality to you. Read. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, did you underline things there? Go on. Just take note of all the things. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. We have received not the Spirit of the world. But the Spirit which is of God. But the Spirit which is of God. That we might know the things Please that underline are things. 
freely given to us of God. You need to have and receive a spirit in order for you to know some things. The reality of all those things so, is the spirit. So what he does when he reveals them to you is that he takes you into a journey in himself. When you see a vision, you saw through the spirit. When you hear the voice of God, it came to you. It was amplified by the spirit. The new creation works with that operating system. The operating system of the new creation is what? The spirit. And that's why when you get to the book of Revelation, you will not see Holy Spirit. What you will be hearing is the spirit. Because that's the realm in which the operating system is the spirit. If you want to move from place to place in that realm, you move by spirit travel. So in heaven there's transport. In heaven there's food. In heaven there's rest. In heaven there's war. In heaven there's worship. In heaven there are waters. In heaven there are twelve. I forgot. There's a throne. In heaven there's a tree. In heaven there's a river. And all those things I mentioned now, they are realities. And these realities are only accessible by what? As we keep reading, you begin to underline things, 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 things. And you see nine things. He is trying to emphasize and emphasize. See, there are spiritual things. There are spiritual things. But the average believer doesn't know what is spiritual. The unspoken words of Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can say that. Because those things are not utterances, they are realities. So, it's not for lingo. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God has foreordained for our glory. That the princes of this world have not known, for had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Continue the reading as I try to round up. Tomorrow we are going to itemize the things. And then we'll now show us the two categories of people that are qualified, disqualified from accessing spiritual things. And then you'll be able to judge yourself from that standpoint. And then at the end of the lecture, you should know if you are a spiritual man, a natural man, or a carnal man. There are three possibilities and three different templates of Christianity that you find in various Christians. It's either a carnal man, a natural man, and a spiritual man. And I'm saying that the population of carnal and natural Christians are 80% the world over. We only have 20% spiritual men. And the purpose of this conference is that the least among us will become as strong as David. That you will learn how to use your wings because the Bible reveals that you can fly. The Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's spiritual. 
because it's not possible in the natural. But the Bible says, God is saying, you can actually mount up. We will see the context in which these scriptures exist. And so that you will understand that it's not superfluous. Those are testimonies of experiences in the realm of reality. That is supposed to be the normal status of the average Christian on the street. But because of the level of decay that has overtaken the church, that is no longer normal. It is considered a high level of Christianity. But according to Paul, that's normal Christianity. It's just that in our, Christ- our day we have abnormal Christianity and subnormal Christianity. But I pray, just in case that is your description, that you decide to shift ground in Jesus' mighty name. You will have sufficient information by tomorrow as to how to shift ground. And just in case you are a spiritual man, you will have also information as to how to travel into the endless realm of an eternal spirit. And you will not have time to waste thereafter. To say, I'm waiting for my car. That's why I'm here. No, 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 no. You will find out that in God, many things happen simultaneously. The Bible called him the El Shaddai, meaning the multi-breasted one. That simultaneously he feeds and sustains his own. And God can be addressing different dimensions of your life simultaneously. Don't say he will address my financial life. You are using your mind. That's why you have to single it out. God is a spirit. He doesn't, he don't, doesn't need to touch them one by one. He simultaneously. Do you get it? Simultaneously. Somebody ran to me and said, what are the rules and regulations that I must adopt to be a good husband? I say, be a good Christian. <laughs> no marriage counseling book can make you a good husband. No marriage teach book. Adopt principle. The people that taught about relationship in this town many years ago, they taught using Tim Lahaye's book, Temperament. The blend of temperament. Sanguine, choleric, melancholy. After they finished the conference, they were the ones that broke sister's heart more in this town. The Holy Spirit had to come to, to rescue. <laughs> Sanguine. <laughs> they broke. Broke things. And it was still the spirit that came and still healed. The spirit that we left behind and trying to factor it with methods that is sanguine. She's sanguine. Anything that will bring you into the realm of the mind is the devil. The devil that did that. There was a, a, a preacher in this country. He began to write books. He said, common sense to this. That was satanic. There's no common sense to it. It's spiritual. Sorry, I've, I've done business in this world for long. I have some authority with God. The fact that you wear a ministerial title doesn't make you authentic. Many people listen to wrong people. That's why Christianity is like this. Friends, let me give you an announcement. The spirit of Elijah is in the earth. If order comes to the kingdom, it's because the Elijah spirit has come again. It is radical because it comes in a time where the values of God are abandoned. That was demonic. He wrote a demonic book. When prophets rose up among the nations and began to curse those books, he now withdrew them and pretended that he didn't write them. Why? There's nothing common sense in the Bible. The spirit sense. Don't make it, don't degrade it. Because if you bring it to the realm of the mind, it is no longer true. It has lost 
the content of the spirit that makes it truth. Do you get it? You understand it? That which makes it truth has been removed. And just in case you preach the Bible without receiving an impute, you, you preach the passage without a message. It is true, but it's not truth. You can learn from it, but you will never become anything through that message. Mm. You must have the witness of the spirit of truth in your spirit and have the passage, the logos outside before it becomes the, comp- the whole truth. So you can carry true without truth. You can, can carry true truth without true, but you need true and truth for it to be what? The whole truth. That's New Testament ministry. That is a ministry of life. It carries truth and true. And it ministers what? Life. No common sense for anything there. Took 10 years to study the books of major Nigerian preachers. And I found out only 2% know God. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a researcher. I'm a researcher. I was born on a bad day. Born in a generation that God had rejected. And God said, you will have to seek me out. So I, I, my experiences were, most of them are first hand. So I bring you a testimony from an adventurer. One that went to many cities, read many books. But it's not in books. It is in a spirit. So what I preach today is not a secret. It has been there for eternity. But wise men found it. Those that found favor with God in the times of old. When they traveled from city to city. They saw that nothing was compared to the wisdom of God. Nothing. It's not common sense. Why didn't that preacher come up on national television and say, I wrote a book that was fake. Please withdraw it from yourself. And if you believe it, disbelieve what is here. He would have been most honorable. Because it's possible for you to err. And if I err, I will come here in the night like this and say, I preach this, that I've done it before in Kano. I preach this, that day is wrong. I found more light. Forgive me. And grace will flow. Instead of being demeaned, you will be exalted. But we have so much junk in the body of Christ, here and there. Darkness has weaved itself into the household of God. The light has been diminished. The last of the candles that bears illumination is, 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 is actually surrounded by so much darkness that it stands to lose its brilliance. Now we need an overhaul. We need the original documents. We need the Holy Ghost to come again. We need a revival. My time is spent. Please rise, let's pray. I don't know how to communicate this body. You must not write a book now. You must not write. Some of those things are, are responsible for the state of the church today. not Oshala, you must not write <laughs> you must not write Tony you must not write it's not by force to write you don't have what to write because there's a printing press to write and over the years many people have obscured the vision 
of the eternal spirit. Over the years, people have taught and made many to wonder to think that Christianity could be, could be practiced in the flesh. Your birth was supernatural and your living will be. If you were born supernaturally, you will live supernaturally. Paul began to advise the Christians, now that you guys know that you are in Christ, walk in him. Walk from that realm. Let your lifestyle, your perspective, your focus come by an understanding of yourself that came out of that realm. That's the work of the Spirit. He brought those emphasis because he knows that the average Christian wants to be in Christ, but he doesn't want to walk in Christ. You must not, we must not all write. Don't write. Many people today are drunk with that which cannot deliver. So much leanness. So much hunger. So little reality. So that in these days when the children of God sit down to speak one unto another, the book of remembrance in heaven is not open. Doesn't strike any chord. So the book of remembrance is not open. These things are eternal realities, they are not time based. If Enoch could be raptured, as at the time he was raptured, it means rapture is a reality. It's not time based. I know there's going to be a time where during the time of the last trump, the dead in Christ will rise. That's the official time. But there's a, a reality you can enter into, you'll be raptured. Oh, you don't believe me? Elijah, what happened to him? Jesus, what happened to him? It's a reality. A man in Enoch's time was able to see into God and prophesy. Behold, I see the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. The earth was still in his cradle. And Enoch was in the end of the, acti- the agenda of God in the earth. What kind of man is that? What man is that? What man is that? Can we pray tonight? Next five minutes to offer our hearts to the Lord. As we give it up all to Him, it's a call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Friends, there are many things you do not know, but only one can show you. David said, Thou will show me the path of life. You don't know that path. You can't find it. You must be shown that path. Edo, you must be shown the path. You don't know the path. 
He said, Thou will show me. You can't be too wise to know the path. He will have to show you. Can you be humble to tell him, Show me, show me the path? I've, I've lived a natural life for too long. I want to use my wings now. I want to move into the spirit mode. Use the natural mode for 37 years of my life. It's now time to switch into the spirit mode. I want to switch. I want to switch. I want to switch. Let this be the time of my transition. There's so much power locked up in the spirit that has not been realized in our generation. And he calls you tonight. He calls you tonight. Don't make him a part of your life. Make him the center of your life. Let him drive your life. Let your life derive from your communion with him.
God. Lord, we bow, Lord, we bow. Lord, we bow and worship. Singing awesome, 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 awesome God. Sing it one more time. Awesome, awesome, awesome God. Awesome of a Christian. I don't want to be a fake copy. I want to be a real copy. Yeah. I don't want to be a fake copy. I don't want to be a fake preacher. I want to be a preacher that preaches with a demonstration of the spirit and all power. Singing awesome God, awesome God. of fire. 
and ready to see the place wherein is the dwelling of light. You will walk with Jesus. You will walk with the Lord. This is your time. This is your hour. You can mount up with wings. You can fly. It's time to take a flight and God. Your poverty is not your reality. Your, your resort is not your reality. Your grade is not your reality. It's time for you to mount up. The spirit calls. The spirit says come. The spirit says come. The spirit says come. The spirit says come. Hey! Yeah. 